Hello and welcome to the Bits of Balance podcast, a place where health and wellness is talked about and viewed through more than just a physical lens, but an emotional, social, spiritual, and intellectual lens as well. Over here, we believe that health-promoting behaviors should add to your life rather than take away from it. I'm your host, Jacqueline Bett, a non-diet registered dietitian to be, a certified personal trainer, and an extreme ice cream enthusiast. In this podcast, you will hear special guests and myself share our journeys and how we are working to find balance in our own lives. We will also discuss ways to ditch diet culture and find food freedom. We'll also be diving into how to discover your own healthy relationship with exercise and ways to be at peace with your body. But most importantly, I hope for this podcast to inspire and motivate you to find your own balance while practicing wellness without obsession. So let's dive in and discuss some bits of balance. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bits of Balance podcast. I am extremely excited to be sharing the interview that I had today with Chloe Catherine, who is a dynamic eating psychology coach, therapeutic nutrition counselor, and eating disorder recovery mentor, who is revolutionizing the conversation around eating disorder recovery and getting your period back. She believes that understanding your body and how foods can support your metabolic health is empowering and an important step in nutritionally rehabilitating from years of restriction. Wellness without obsession is what she will help you find along with a monthly menstrual cycle and an abundant energy to live the life that you want. Chloe literally has such a radiant soul. I could feel her energy and passion through the Zoom screen during our interview. Chloe's literally the definition of a ray of light. Um, But to kind of just highlight and give you a little bit of insight on the topics that we discuss in today's episode, first, Chloe dives into her eating disorder recovery story and shares how she regained her period after not having it for 11 whole years. She then dives into some of the work that she does. So why do women experience hypothalamic amenorrhea? And what occurs internally when our hormones are out of balance? And how is our metabolism affected? How can we heal that though? And what physical signs and symptoms can manifest within our bodies when we don't have that regular monthly menstrual cycle? Because we know that it is so, so important and essential. And then Chloe also shares some great takeaways and steps that are essential and need to be taken in order to heal our relationship with food, our body, and just really heal our overall hormone health. And finally, we touch on a topic that I think is incredibly necessary and going to resonate with some of you. And we really touched on the aspect of gaining weight when we may be in eating disorder recovery or when we're trying to, you know, recover our period and get that back. We kind of talk about the pros and cons to gaining weight and how we can truly reframe our thoughts around weight. But overall, let's just get right into the episode. Welcome, Chloe. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Super excited. So we're going to start off with a few fun this or that questions. Are you ready to dive into these? Yeah, give them to me. Let's go. All right. (laughs) The first one is coffee or tea? Uh, Neither. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Do you not drink either? I don't. Uh, You know, I'm not that fond of tea, to be honest. Like, I I don't know. I know my sister is like obsessed with this. She's always drinking tea and I'm kind of like, not like I don't know it's not my go-to coffee I just my nervous system hates it so if I do Mm. coffee I do have to say I like coffee uh but I have to do decaf 
And I try not to do it too often because even with decaf, I just react negatively to it for some mm. reason. Uh, I don't know. My nervous system will go into this, but my nervous system got shot over years of dealing with multiple uh-huh. eating disorders. So I still am kind of sensitive to things that just have like too much caffeine or anything. Anyway, so I'm more of a like a milk orange juice or okay. like margarita type of person. <laughs> I love that. Glass of wine. Yeah. Margaritas all the way. No, I mean, it's not for everyone, right? And I'm also someone who is pretty sensitive to caffeine. I still love coffee and I drink coffee, but like, I can't get a cold brew from Starbucks, for example, because that has way too much caffeine and like my body, I will get like anxious and I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I will literally just like, my hair will start falling out. Like it's a pretty, like it's an intense kind of reaction that I get to it. Anyways, I drink milk on a consistent basis. I'm like such a milk drinker. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's when I say that, but I love, uh, I love drinking that more. It's great. It's good for your bones, vitamin D, like we were chatting about earlier. So that's awesome. (laughs) Okay. And then my next one is read a book or watch a movie. Oh, you know what? I like, there's something so beautiful about reading a book. And I was just writing in my journal kind of goals for 2022. And I'm actually deciding to go a whole year without Netflix. Um, Netflix can be my go-to, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. fun. It's exciting. It's like fun to get into series but there's something just more grounding and more just like spiritual and soulful when you're reading a book. And so I want to say book, but I do end up doing movie more than book, but hoping I to feel- kind of, uh, fix that this next year. Shift that. I, yeah, I totally understand that. I feel like when you're reading a book, you're so much more like connected and involved. I feel like, like you were saying, like your soul and spiritually and everything like that. Um, but I also find myself like when I need a brain break, I'm like, I'm going to turn on Netflix. I'm going to watch a movie, you know, cause it just like, it's thoughtless, I guess. <laughs> you know, I think it's all about this balance with both to be quite honest. Like, yeah, totally agree. Um, and then the next one is get takeout or dine in. Dine in as in like, I make the food. So like, takeout from a restaurant or actually sitting in at a restaurant eating oh no I love the experience you got to dress up to the nines you got to put on makeup put on your heels go out like I love just being in the restaurant or downtown wherever I'm at so yeah yep yep the ambiance of getting in a restaurant and I also find that like since COVID, um, even though it feels like it was like a while ago that we weren't able to go to restaurants, but now I always want to go to restaurants. I think just because of that time off of like literally not being told that I couldn't. <laughs> hmm. Totally. Um, and then next question, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Um, beach 1000%. That's not even a question. I just, I live at the beach and also right next to the mountains. So I kind of like live in my vacation world. Uh, I love both, but if I had to pick, I mean, I'm a beach girl through and through. Gotcha. Yeah. I know. I was like debating on asking you this. I was like, you probably live right next to the beach being in Southern California, but yeah, I'm about two miles off of the mountains and a mile off of the beach. It's very like, it's very enclosed here. Uh, so I get both, but my whole family are surfers and I grew up at the beach and we travel the world for surfing and all that. So yeah, water is definitely my thing. That's so cool. So jealous. Cause I'm so far from both of those. Um, and then last question, soft serve or hard serve ice cream? 
Oh, just regular ice cream. Yeah. Hard serve. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. I always ask that one because I, I'm like an extreme ice cream enthusiast. And I actually worked at a soft serve ice cream place growing up for like five years. Um, but I feel like when people think of ice cream, they usually think hard serve and I would even say hard serve for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask like, which one you like more. Definitely hard serve also because soft serve does not settle with my stomach well whatsoever. Um, I don't know the exact reasoning or if there's more like lactose or what it is, but I, I have to do hard serve. <laughs> well, thank you for answering those questions. That was fun. Um, I will now have you kind of just give an introduction to my audience as to who you are personally, who you are professionally, what you do in your career and all of that. Okay. Uh, personally, I'm just a girl who got caught up in the the lies and the myths and the deceit of diet culture for many years uh, and struggled for, I mean, nearly all of my life trying to figure out this whole thing called being in my body and eating. Uh, so that's kind of my personal journey of just being someone who's trying to find peace uh, with her body and trying to find health, true health, not just it's not, it's more than physical health. It's that emotional, that soulful, that just like that life health. Um, I think it's always important to distinguish the two because uh, it's more than just about eating a certain way to have health. Uh, health is way more than that. So yeah, that's kind of my journey. I mean, I struggled with multiple eating disorders uh, for about 11 years was my like kind of timeline there. Struggled with anorexia, orthorexia. So like the fixation on clean eating, hence my just like getting caught up in diet culture. I think I've done every single diet to be quite honest. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> it's just like insane. I've been keto. I've been raw vegan. I've been vegan. I've been like paleo. I've done the gaps diet. I've done like, I mean, till four, I've done everything. Uh, <laughs> And then I struggled with exercise addiction as well. So heavily, heavily addicted to exercise, multiple gym memberships, uh, constantly moving my body. Uh, and yeah, so I went through that journey myself and I lost my period at the age of 11 and then I got it back at the age of 25. So uh, sorry, at the age of 11, at the age of 14, I lost my period 25. I got it back. So it was about 11 years that I lost my period. Um, and I now help women get theirs back. Like I went through this journey of just a complete, just revamp of my mind, revamp of my personality, revamp of like how I view the world and completely transformed my life and completely healed myself from the multiple eating disorders that I was struggling with. And now I help girls do the same. And it's been a really, really fun journey the past couple of years, getting to see so many women get their period back. But not only that, like have food freedom, like really being a part of their family again and a part of their community again, because they're not trying to like nitpick their food or micromanage stuff. So mm -hmm. it's been really, really fun uh, getting to see everyone kind of heal and go along the journey that I went through. Uh, and then there's multiple, uh, my business name is Flow With Clothes. So that's how people kind of know with me or know mm -hmm. me, sorry. But um, there's lots of little Flow With Clothes babies out there in the world. I've gotten lots of women pregnant, <laughs> uh, which is always <laughs> a very fun thing when girls come to you and they're crying because they're like, I want to, I'm 27, I'm married, I want to be having kids by now. And 
they're just like, I haven't had a period in like 10 years. Um, and they think it's, you know, it's a lost cause. They have to do IVF. They have to be put on birth control. And after just like a couple months of working with each other, they'll get their period back and then they'll get pregnant. And so it's, it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an empowering empowering thing to be able to help women with. Right. And also thank you just for being open and like sharing your story and everything. And I find that, you know, a lot of us that do this work and have that passion for this work, it's because of our own past experiences a lot of times. Right. And I know you mentioned you struggled for 11 years, which is, that's quite a long time. Right. And you went from diet to diet, um, kind of dabbled in different eating disorders as well. So I guess like my question for you is how did you you said like you have healed and like, like, look at you thriving now. Right. So how did you kind of like, was there a point where you like totally shifted or how did you work through that to, you know, be like, okay, I'm not okay. Like maybe I do need help and I need to kind of work on these things. Right. Yeah. So I'm one of six kids. Uh, and my dad, I'm number five. And my dad has always like called me my number five child. He's always like said that like, I am the one that has like the most passion for life. And it's true. I've always just kind of very been, or I've always, sorry, I've, it's been a long day. My words are like jumbled right now, um, but I've always been very, very just excited about living and being around people and adventures and all of that. And unfortunately my eating disorder stole that away from me, but it was always within me. Like it was always such a strong part of just like who I was. Um, and it finally got to the point when I was like 25 years old, I remember waking up and lots of other things happened. I just, my health just completely, I hit rock bottom pretty much. Mm -hmm. I hit rock bottom. My life was just falling apart. I started noticing, or it became very apparent that I was falling way behind uh, my peers. So everyone was like, you know, they were getting engaged or getting married. They were going out and having these amazing careers. They were doing all these things. And I was sitting here like petrified that last night, my broccoli got within two feet of butter like and I just was like okay I I'm not living how I want to be living like I have this one life I think it was just kind of the reality of it kind of hit like I'm 25 I'm not a kid anymore I need to kind of like grow up here and get out of this um because I can't just redo my life I can't just get to the age of 50 and be like okay let's rewind (laughs) back to age of 10 and now let's do this in a better way um So I think having a lot of just awareness on Mm -hmm. what the eating disorders were doing to my life and how they were really dimming my passion and love for life. I think that's Mm -hmm. what finally got me to go. You know what? I know this is really scary to me. I was, trust me. I like when people look at me now, they're like, yeah, but that's good. You just like, you went through recovery and that worked. I'm like, I was just as fearful as you are about like gaining weight and about eating more and about stopping exercise and doing all those things. Like I was petrified, but it got to the point where I was more petrified about continuing to live my life this way Mm -hmm. than going through this recovery journey. So it it was kind of that big, just like life needed to change. I'm hitting rock bottom. I'm not going anywhere in my life. I have to make a decision here. And I'm so thankful I made the decision to choose recovery, like so beyond thankful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, you, I can like literally feel your passion now also just through the screen. So that speaks to exactly what you were saying. And also, I think it also kind of plays into what you were saying earlier about health being so 
multifaceted, right? Because a lot of times when we're in that eating disorder mindset, we tend to think that health is maybe only physical or health is only working out and nutrition. Whereas when you take a step back, zoom out, like you were able to, because you were so self-aware, you were like, no, like this is not, you know, cause health, social health, there's physical health, there's mental health, there's emotional health. There's so many different, you know, assets to health. And so like you realizing that this is not actually healthy, it's taking away from all these different areas in my life, um, which I also totally resonate with. And I think that eating disorders can be a very just isolating thing, right? Like I remember just like being in college and saying no to all these social events and saying no to, you know, random times that my friends would invite me to go to ice cream, just like little things like that, that truly add up over time when you are in an eating disorder and in that, you know, just rough mindset overall. You know, I learned something kind of cool the other day. So my mother is French. Uh, so I speak French and all, but my mom, she asked me, she's like, do you know what the word copain means? And I was like, yeah, it, it means friend. That's what, you know, c'est mon copain. like it's my friend is how we would say that. Um, and she's like, yeah, no, no, no. But do you like know what it means? Like, can you break it down? What does it mean? And anyway, she ended up telling me, she's like, it means to literally break bread. So pain is bread and co is to like break or share. So literally the word for friend in France is to break bread like to break bread with someone and it's just it's so beautiful how uh how all these things just come together when you start looking at it in a more holistic perspective where it's like yeah part of being here on earth and connecting with other people is breaking bread with them it's the one thing that mm -hmm. we can all share and mm -hmm. when you take yourself out of that because you're super fearful of food and you're anxious about your body changing and all that you're taking yourself out of like civilization out of humanity and that's mm -hmm. very isolating and I studied public health that's what I got my bachelor's of science in and I thought you know all my classes were going to be nutrition based and exercise is good and all of that but public health we like rarely even talked about that it, it was a little bit, you know, we talked about food deserts and how we got to get better quality out to, you know, middle of America and all of that. But the main thing that we learned about and discussed were the importance of community, nature, clean air, like uh, having autonomy at work. So your emotional health, all of that, like those were the things that we were worried about most. And the nutrition, while it plays a role, you're learning dietetics, like nutrition plays a role in our mm -hmm. health, but it cannot like supersede everything else that you're neglecting as far as your health. So you can't just like eat the perfect diet, but then isolate yourself, not get enough nature time, not express emotions properly, and then expect to be healthy. So we have to have kind of all areas filled. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. And the breaking the bread, that's so interesting because I, something that I also talk a lot about just because I see so much in the media, I would say like for a while I was very stuck in like solely the fitness industry and like the wellness quote unquote wellness industry, whatever that is exactly. But, um, I was like stuck in that and people would just always say like food is fuel. And like, I started viewing food as only fuel. And when you said that, it made me think about, no, like food can be connection. It can be cultural. It can be creating memories. It can be pleasurable, emotional, like all of these different things. Um, so I love that you brought that up. 
um, but to kind of transition into some of more of like the work that you do and how you help women. Um, I would love to just chat a little bit more about like hormone health and everything. So you said a lot of times women will come to you, obviously, like when they have lost their period, maybe experiencing HA. Um, so I guess kind of just touch on how does that occur for women? Like, what do you see often with like your clients, your patients that come to you? What is the reasoning behind that? Well, I love this because it really is simple to understand. Now, is this to heal? No, because we bring in our emotions and like our neural rewire, our neural wiring and all of that into it. And so it's hard to heal, but in reality, it's simple. And it all comes down to one thing. It's supply and demand. When the body does not have enough resources, it's not going to be able to keep up with the demand of everything your body needs to do. So usually amenorrhea is going to happen because of energy debt. Energy debt happens when exactly what I just said, you're not getting enough uh, energy in for the body. This can happen because you were under eating you were restrictively eating. So it could be, you know, under eating in calories, but also it could be like cutting out all carbs or going vegan or, you know, doing yada, yada, yada diet thing. Uh, and over-exercising. That's a great way to put your body straight into energy debt. Now we usually see a combination of both of them, which is like, <laughs> yep. That's why yeah. so many women are having amenorrhea because they're usually dieting and exercising uh, in conjunction. Uh, and then also stress does play a role in that. So I have worked with quite a few people who they've been through like a car accident or a very just like stressful, traumatic uh, thing in their life. And that can cause them to kind of dip into uh, energy debt because their appetite's all messed up because they're super stressed or they're grieving or something's going on. And that can get their body in that state where the body's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like we do not have enough energy here. (laughs) What is going on? And so, you know, people look at it and they go, my body's broken. Like my body's broken. I haven't had a period or I'm bloated or I have edema or I have all these things. I'm not sleeping and they get really mad at their body and tend to think that it's broken. But in reality, I try and help my clients see that their body is working perfectly. Like the reason that you, you know, just the mere fact that you got your period or you didn't get your period, sorry, is just proof to me that your body is on your side because your body goes, Hmm we need, let's just put this in like money terms here. You need $10 a day to survive, to do all the things that we need to do in our body. And you are giving it $5 every single day. So the body rightly so goes, okay, we need to allocate these $5. Like we need to prioritize the important stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's going to prioritize your heart, your lungs, of course, breathing. That's kind of important. Uh, your nervous system, like, you know, you touch something hot, your brain has to be able to react, to retract your hand. Um, so it's going to focus on those things. This is not going to focus on and go, you know what? Sorry, we're going to pause. Uh, that's going to be your reproductive system. Cause while you cannot optimally thrive without it, you can survive. Um, and I like to make that distinction there. Like you can survive without it, but it doesn't mean you're going to have good health. Uh, your hair. That's why a lot of people lose their hair. Cause To you in the modern day, you're like, my hair is super important, right? Yes. But to your reptilian brain, it's no, it's not important at all. So hair, nails, skin, all the things uh, start kind of just, they're not allocating resources to it. So it's simply that it's simply just, you're not eating enough. You're exercising too much. You're too stressed. Those three things that's going to get your period to come off. 
or gotcha. Yeah. And I like how you put that in simple terms and like the comparisons that you use, like it really is that give and take, like, are you giving your body enough, whether that be food, whether that be rest, you know, things like that. And I know a lot of the kind of side effects you already touched on. Um, but could you maybe dive a little bit deeper into like how our hormones are affected, the different hormones in the human or in the female body and why we have these side effects come up kind of like you mentioned, like the hair loss, the brittle nails, different things like that. Yeah. So we are hormonal human beings. (laughs) Like our endocrine system is huge. Um, and it's so important for our health. And so, you know, when someone comes to me with amenorrhea, it's like, okay, you're not just struggling with amenorrhea. Like this is a whole systemic, like off balance that has been happening. Uh, and so your metabolism is really, really dramatically affected by energy debt. Now, let's talk about metabolism here for a second, because when we say the word metabolism, I know what everyone thinks it's, oh, metabolism. Like this is what I need to go faster so that I'm like skinny. Like that's what we equate it with, but your metabolism is way more than your body weight. So metabolism is simply just how fast and efficient your body is utilizing energy, AKA food. Um, it is in charge of your digestive system. It's in charge of your immune system, your reproductive system. Um, All the systems in the body are really impacted by your metabolic rate. And so, you know, when you're under eating or over exercising or doing whatever you're doing to get into energy debt, the metabolism is going to slow down. It's kind of like another analogy here you're out and about, you're driving in your car and you notice, oh my gosh, I only have 20% left on my phone. And so what do you do? You put it on battery saving mode. So now like you can't stream Netflix when you're on battery saving mode. You can't like download all these large files. Like it wants to preserve enough battery power so that you can text and call if you need to. And again, that's what the body's doing here. It's going like, okay, we need to slow this down and only be working on certain things. And so when your hormones are off balance, again, it's more than just the sex hormones that you're thinking about and your sex hormones play more than just a role in reproduction. So for example, on your bones, we have estrogen receptors. You don't have enough estrogen. Your bones aren't, aren't going to be able to have the bone density that they need. Um, there's progesterone receptors like everywhere our heart and like everywhere. And so when we don't have progesterone, which only happens when we're ovulating, um, then we're messing up the whole intricate system. Like, I don't want to get too sciencey with all of this, but basically sex hormones are everywhere. Hormones are everywhere in your body. One of them goes off because cortisol is super high and the rest get like all kind of switched around. You're going to create a huge imbalance of the body that is going to impact you on so many levels. Um, I think some of the things that we don't talk about a lot, because we hear about like bone density and that one's like, not as, I don't know. I heard about bone density and I was like, I don't care, Like, <laughs> but you should care. Your bones are really important. But yeah. I was like, okay, enough with this. Like, I just have to get my period back for bone density. Um, your risk for neurodegenerative diseases increase hugely when you don't have enough, uh, when you don't have the proper balance of hormones. Um, your risk for heart disease, for cardiovascular disease increases a lot when you don't have enough estrogen because estrogen is what is in charge of making your arteries like, uh, able to dilate. So it makes them kind of very, uh, soft and supple. And so without enough estrogen, what happens? Oh, 
your arteries are super hard. So now if like a rush of blood comes through your arteries, or maybe there's a, like a ball of blood and a little clot happens, it, it's going to get stuck here. And so then what happens now your heart doesn't have enough blood and that's serious. That's why so many people sort of just die of heart attacks. They die of heart problems. Um, and so, yeah, this is more than just, oh, your period's gone. You might not be able to have kids. It is like you are putting yourself at risk for cancer too, like breast cancer when your hormones are out of balance. So it literally is just everything. Our body wants to be in balance. Having a monthly menstrual cycle is balance for a body. If you are a woman, that is your like natural state is having these hormones cycle every single month. And so when that's stopping, we have to just ding, 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 what's happening here. We got to question that. Right. Right. I love the way you explain that. And I think, I mean, it's crazy to think about how it affects all of these internal processes. Right. And it also comes back to, um, what you were saying, like it's, it's, First, it's going to stop the non-essential functions, which is our period, for example. But then when it gets bad enough, it's going to be worse. It's going to start harming our heart tissue. And, you know, I personally like experienced a lot of these things. I didn't have my period for years. And then I remember getting a DEXA scan and I saw the bone density going down. And then the next sign was that I was like orthostatic, meaning like my heart wasn't, um, really functioning properly. Like I would be sitting down and my heart rate would be like 60 or whatever. I would stand up and it would spike to 120, which is completely not normal. And that's because my heart wasn't working efficiently. Um, and I think when I started to see a lot of that, I, that's when I really scared me and I was like, this is not okay. Um, so it is important to, like you said, ding, ding, ding right away. Like we don't want to get to that point. We want early intervention and prevention. Right. Um, so I love what you said about that. So what are some of the things that you do with clients um, to help them restore their period? Like whether this is nutrition related, um, certain food sources that you feel like can help them restore their period, um, maybe exercise, anything like that. Yeah. So surprisingly, I actually don't talk too much about that. Gotcha. Um, so let me explain here. We do, we do talk about food, of course, and we have to talk about exercise and all of that. But the first thing that I do with my clients is we start working on their relationship with nourishment. Like that's a huge one. And nourishment, again, not just from food, nourishment from life, because what's happening on the plate is often just a mirror into what's happening in our grander capital L life. And so when we start to see this correlation and see these things kind of like uh, play together, then it's like, okay, this isn't just a food issue here. Like we need to really, really work on your relationship with life, your relationship with nourishment, your connection to yourself. Like, so I do a lot of more of that, like soulful, uh, mental, like work before we start diving into the food. Now, of course the food is like super important when we talk about it, but I don't know. I, I never just like give my clients a list of like, this is what you should be eating. Right. Rather, I help them understand why they want to support their body with food, why they want to incorporate pleasurable foods into their life and stop just like, 
you know, restricting themselves a pleasure from all different areas of their life. And so as we start to work on that, we start to have them relax more during the day. We start to have them do things that they really like, take, you know, classes like a art class or something like that. Like we're enhancing the pleasure in their life. And when you do that, all of a sudden life's juicy again. And when life's Mm -hmm. juicy, you want to be there for it, which means you want to eat so that you can be there for it. So it's just this beautiful kind of just uh, journey that like my clients go on of understanding kind of the bigger picture of this whole journey. And then of course we dive into like having just, I don't know, I view it as just having an abundant mindset with food. Uh, and really getting rid of that restrictive energy with constantly trying to hold yourself back with like food and instead open up. So it's opening up your energy to, I love and receive and accept all food. Mm. And when they do that, then it's like, I don't even have to tell them like, you need to be eating more protein or all this because their body does that for them. And so all I need to do is I need to connect them with their body. I need to get them to open up and to really see how food is their medicine and then allow their body find the natural flow of how much they need of everything. So like I never Mm -hmm. give a meal plan, uh, but I do guide them into understanding nutrient dense foods. These are what we need to be focusing on. How can we ensure that we're restoring your, you know, nutritional reserves because you just depleted them for years. Uh, so we, we go into all that, but I did want to mention kind of just the more, uh, I don't know how I want to put that. The more uh, soulful is the only thing that I'm thinking of in this moment, yeah. but the more, like kind of soulful, uh, aspect of eating. Uh, but it's definitely a balance of both. Right. And I think it is so important to dive deeper, right? Initially, like you can't just tell someone the nutrition facts, like you need to be eating work. more. Right. It, yeah. It doesn't They're work. Not- yeah. They're so blinded to it. And the eating disorder has so many thoughts about it that that's why I'm like, we have to deal with that first before I can to eat the foods that are going to be supportive for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to adhere to it. If you just say like, okay, you need more fats, you need more carbs, whatever it may be. Right. Like you have to dive deeper. You have to, um, you know, rewire like those neural pathways, kind of like you were touching on earlier and they need to get to the point where they're like more connected to themselves. And when you were talking, I was thinking a lot about just like internal versus external. I feel like a lot of times when we are, you know, in an eating disorder or, emerged in diet culture, we're trusting all of these like external cues or external people telling us what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating. But when we come back to ourselves and can truly connect to our internal wisdom, that's when we realize like, oh, food is nourishment. And I, I actually want all these nourishing foods, right? Yeah. And at that point, I don't need to tell someone that they need to butter their toast. Trust me, they figure it out. Like they figure it out pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm joking here, but also being very serious. um, Yeah. How it is just, I know eating is such a primal thing. And when we get back connected to our body, which many of us, when we're dealing with eating disorders or disordered eating, like we're completely numbed out from our body. So mm-hmm. then it's really easy when we're numbed out to under eat, to push ourselves too hard with exercise and just not take care of ourselves. But when you denumb <laughs> and when you connect back, then it's like restriction hurts. 
-hmm. The eating disorder makes it so that restriction oddly feels good. It's just like, everything's kind of backwards with this. Um, so it's like pain feels good, but pleasure feels bad. Like that's how the eating disorder kind of views it. Um, but when we quiet the eating disorder mind, we connect you back within all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't even get myself to eat an oil-free salad anymore. Like that's just so wrong on so many levels. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't resonate with me. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I also can just speak to like feeling more connected with yourself in terms of like having your cycle, like as a woman, mm. I like that connected me to my body just so much more than I ever felt like, especially when I didn't have my period, but when I like was really able to restore that, like, I just feel so much more in tune to my body. Like I know, like, cause I know all the signs and symptoms that come up, like, you know, a week prior to, I might feel a little bit of, you know, something in my stomach or, you know, just different physical sensations or even like mental hormonal sensations. And I think it's so cool just how we can feel connected to our bodies in that way because we're so much more aware of things that are coming up, right? Yeah, I mean, I lived completely numbed and flatlined for 11 years because I had no hormones. And to my eating disorder brain, that was really safe because nothing changed. But yeah, now that I'm like recovered and obviously have a monthly menstrual cycle, oh my gosh, there's so much beauty in that change that happens every month. Like I look forward to it. Like I love how like all of a sudden when I'm like ovulating, it's like, whoo, I am so hot. Like I'm just like physically hot, but also just like you feel good. You feel sexier. You feel more confident. You're more alert. You're very, you know, just like present and aware. And then I love the kind of just like the slowing down that happens on my cycle. Like gets me to just be like, nope, I don't want to go out right now. I want to take a bath. I want to take care of myself I want to be inward and then I love the feeling of the follicular phase where I'm like I'm super strong and I'm like it, it's just it's fun and yeah. I feel like as a woman we're just again that's just like an innate part of our being is the cyclical nature uh, nature of our emotions it's who mm -hmm. we need this otherwise we just feel very stagnant and life just gets mm -hmm. very dry. So yeah, hormones make our life juicy and it makes it fun. And so instead of like fearing that change, uh, it's learning how to flow with it and how to embrace it. Mm -hmm. Love that. I love how you use the word flow and that's like your brand. I think it fits so well. Well, that was actually like the whole kind of concept behind flow with Chloe. It wasn't okay. flow as in like your menstrual flow. I think a lot of people uh -huh. think it is, but it's actually flow as in like learning how to let go and flow with life. So flowing with your food. I don't like the idea of like balance with food. I'm like, what? No, because to my orthorexic mind, I'm getting out my measuring you know, scale. And mm. I'm trying to measure out the perfect balance of process to like whole foods. Right. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. So I love this concept of flow because it was way more feminine. It was way more freeing to me of like, I just flow with my food. I flow with life. I flow with my exercise. Like I just listen to what feels good. And so I just like that word flow a lot. No, I love it so much. And I think I always say like, life is always ebbing and flowing, you know, life is never consistent. You know, there's always some weeks that are harder than others. Um, some days like in recovery that are harder than others, just things like that. Um, so when we realize that like life is always flowing, but things are going it, to, it's all going to work out, you know, like just keep trusting that and everything. So I like that a lot. Um, and then another question that I kind of wanted to ask you about. So a lot of times you mentioned your first kind of working on 
that initial like deeper work of, you know, internally getting back to yourself, um, finding that passion again, that passion for life. And a lot of times as we need to get our period back, as we begin eating more, we know a lot of times that's going to come as some weight gain. Right. And I think weight gain can be one of the like number one scariest things for people, um, in eating disorder recovery. I know that it personally was for me. I had a very, very toxic relationship with the scale for so long until I threw it out. But how do you work through people being okay with gaining weight, if that makes sense? No, totally. It is everyone's fear. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so stupid because if you did like a pro and cons list to recovery, like yeah, on your con, you might write weight gain. (laughs) The pro is like, being more connected with my family, like, you know, having food freedom, being able to travel, feeling grounded, sleeping deep, like doing, you know, so many things like recovery, that it's just quite foolish to be just locked in on this one, like, but I might some weight. Um, so how do I go about this process for people? This is a good question. It's so different for everyone, right? right? So as a coach, you kind of really learn how to sit with someone, listen to their skin and like pinpoint sore, their sore point. Really like to really understand them and their thoughts and they view and how they view the body. And so it's hard for me to like a specific example that helps someone through that because it's so individual for everyone. Um, but what I would say is I really help them understand what beauty truly is. And we're given this idea that beauty is our external appearance. It's how much we weigh. It's the six pack abs. It's the thigh gap. It's all these things. Um, I do a lot of things in my practice that really help the women I work with see that beauty is all about the energy that you give off and that people remember that more than what you look like, more than what you wore. Like people remember how you made them feel. And so we do a really cultivating this beautiful, positive energy within and focusing on that and giving that and smiling and being more person. And as they do that, they see the positive benefits of that. And they're like, yeah, well, that's right. This is more about an energy thing and not and so we really work on that and we do a lot of uh just debunking of the culture myths that we hold around if you look a certain way your whole will be amazing and you'll be successful and you'll be loved and so we really just start to clearly again it's the awareness really start to see that these are lies that we've been told you know, that skinny equals healthy I don't know I feel like the way I acted as if like if I did to a certain weight like I would get like a five million dollar check in the mail and the thing would be like perfect in my life well none of that happened in fact everything got worse in my life um so yeah it's really this is why it's so important to work with someone because it's a hard journey and there's a lot of rewiring we have to do. And there's a lot of work we have to do to come to this place of accepting our body for what it is and for where it wants to be in terms of weight. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
really someone who is a proponent of the whole just where attention goes energy flows and so a lot of our attention is not focused on the weight focused on other things uh when you're on that and all your energy goes towards that it's like the weight can creep up but you're kind of just like so on this that that's not a huge thing so if you're sitting there and you're looking at the scale every single day and freak it's increasing during recovery it's not the way recovery. like all right you know you're gonna just increase your anxiety so much um but when you're focused on all these beautiful things in your life and you're learning how to just drop back into your body and how it feels and you're not focused on the weight at all then it's a lot easier to wait because here's the kind of whole thing about weight gain is that you fear it until it actually happens and then the fear goes away because you realize oh it's just weight gain but you you fear it when you're in that energy debt when you're in that kind of anorexic or eating disorder mindset right it's like that's the biggest fear in your whole wide world yeah But then when you get well-nourished and your brain starts becoming more nourished, all of a sudden it doesn't fear weight gain, right? That's kind of the hard part about this is you got to take a big leap of faith in the beginning of your journey before you start seeing kind of like the shifts and changes in your mental space uh, that then makes recovery way easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I always say, feel the fear, but do it anyways. Like Cause that's the only thing that's the only way you, if you don't just jump, you're never going to. Right. And yeah, just the fact of like what you said about like the focus and where your energy goes. I think that's why it's so important just to like throw your scale away. If you need to be weighed for medical reasons, step on the scale backwards, but you don't need to know your weight or anything like that. Um, that was like something that personally like helped me a lot. And I also remember in the beginning, like you said, like it's the biggest fear a lot of times right away. And I remember thinking like, okay, I only like want to gain like X pounds. And then as I just, you can't do that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But give yourself a number now. Oh, exactly. And it was like, but then as I began, like continuing to gain weight, like I didn't care anymore because like I, just realized that that X number that I had set my set for myself in the beginning was probably way too low. And it's because I was still so focused on the numbers. But as I saw all of these other things cultivate and flourish in my life, like the numbers didn't become a worry for me. Right. And also, like you said, like weight gain as one negative, and then looking at all of the other positives, like it can be scary, but just look at all the other areas of life that are going to thrive. Right. So I love that. Um, But lastly, I have a couple final questions for you to kind of begin wrapping up. So first question is, what is advice that you would have given your younger self? Find a mentor. Like literally, I was so stupid. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) I was so stubborn. My mom tried to give me, you know, all of the care that I needed, the centers, the therapists, the dietitians, the coaches, all that. And I just like, I rejected all of it and refused to get that help. And I see my clients and how fast they run, how fast they go through this whole process. And I'm like, I'm dumb. Like, why didn't I just do that? So yeah, my would be stop thinking that like, yes, of course, look, I did it. I did it all by myself. 
but it was 11 years of really hard work. Uh, so my advice would be find someone that you really connect with and that you can really trust uh, to guide you through this journey. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And like we were talking about earlier as well, like it's not one size fits all for anyone, like the way to recover, the way to get your period back, whatever it may be. So it's so important to find someone that, that you do communicate with someone yeah. that you can be open and honest with, because that's essential in recovery. If you're not going to be open and honest, like you can't build a trustful relationship with that coach or whatever that is for you. So love that. Um, and lastly, what is a quote that you live by or just a mantra that really resonates with you in life? Yeah. So I've had this question asked to me a couple of times and I always say the same thing. So give me a sec to think of something else. You're fine. <laughs> uh, a mantra that I live by. <clears throat> I, I know like kind of the energy of like my mantra, my mantra is just really, embracing every single moment that I get mm, gotcha. and again that was something I fought for so many years I was never fully there I was never fully embracing everything I was in my head all the time so now it's always about just like who really embracing this moment embracing eating embracing moving my body embracing sitting down on the couch embracing all of these things and I found just that the more I embrace and the less that I fight the better life tends to be Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think I was thinking about like what your dad has said about you, just like your passion for life. And when you're able to truly embrace all those things and not be in your head, not numb out, just becomes that much more enjoyable. Right. Um, but lastly, I feel like I've already said that, but lastly, where can people find you at if they want to connect with you online? Um, if they have questions for you or anything like that? Totally. I think the best place to start is Instagram just because I link everything, uh, like all my YouTube videos, all my podcasts, I link on my Instagram page. So follow me at flow with Clo. Um, and I also have a course coming out that is designed specifically to do everything I just talked about, like work on the emotional, soulful, mental and physical component of like getting your period back. So I'm excited um, early 22 to be like walking so many women through this journey of really just coming back home and just mm -hmm. strengthening their metabolism and transforming their relationship to food and getting the period back. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for all of that. So there's lots of good stuff and you'll see it all on my Instagram. Yes, that is super exciting. And that's going to be such an empowering course, I'm sure. I will um, be sure to link your Instagram below in the show notes as well so people can access that easier and everything. And definitely, definitely go listen to Chloe's podcast. It's awesome. I've listened to it for sure. Um, but thank you so much for coming on my show today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me in today's episode. If something from today's chat really resonated with you or just hit home, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram via DM and I would love to talk with you more there. I love connecting with you. Additionally, if you want to let me or today's guest know that you're listening, screenshot this episode and post it up on your Instagram story and tag me at Jacqueline Lives Well. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me, help to support my show and help me to reach more people with this positive message if you left a quick rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe or follow the Bits of Balance podcast wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode from me. Once again, we'll chat soon.